Hello, and welcome to the Healthy Balanced Birth and Beyond podcast. I'm Olivia, your host, and on this podcast, we will talk about everything related to the journey to conceive, pregnancy, labor, birth, postpartum, parenthood, and beyond. This is a safe space where birth professionals, birthing people, expected parents, and partners can come on and share their knowledge or personal experiences with our listeners. The goal of this podcast is to create connections, share stories, information, and resources to educate and empower people in their own personal journey. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to this week's episode of the Healthy Balance Birth and Beyond podcast. Today, I have an awesome guest with us. Her name is Katie Wood, and Katie and I connected on Instagram, and we kind of just connected based on our... I don't know, I guess you would say like our passion for health and holistic healing and using food as medicine and the rest is history. So Katie, welcome to the podcast. Would you like to tell everybody a bit about you? Thank you. I'm, I'm so excited to be here. Um, I was thinking about it today. I think this is the most exciting thing I've done on a Saturday night in a long time. <laughs> so thanks for having me. Of course. Um, so first and foremost, I'm a really proud mama of my almost two-year-old Olivia um, and also my 15-year-old stepson, kind of going through those fun teenage years. Yeah. Um, and I was a very proud, originally, mother of two dogs and two cats. They still are <laughs> a very part of my heart. Um, I have two, so I totally understand that. Oh, do you have two of each? We have two dogs. Yeah, they're, they're work, but they're good. <laughs> Our first babies. <laughs> yeah, they, they really are. I try to give them as much love as I can <laughs> throughout the day. And it's kind of nice seeing their relationship with Olivia as she gets older, too. Yeah. And kind of, like, understands more about we have to pet them nicely and not pull their tails right right we're in that stage too so I can relate there also well actually one of our cats um she has been hooked to Olivia since birth so at the at the home you know after the home birth we noticed on a lot of the home video footage that Stella was like in the background of all these video clips so and she funny. was, I just remember her laying on the bed and just staring at Olivia like, what is this? And <laughs> what is this? They've pretty much been attached since day one, really. So yeah, that's that was one of the things that you and I had chatted about on Instagram when we first connected was that you've had a home birth and I can't wait for you to share your story with everybody in a little bit. Yes, yes, I'm excited too. Um, but so... I'm, I'm a natural mama at heart, through and through. Um, I've been a pharmacist for almost eight years, and now I'm a health coach, and I'm super passionate about prenatal through postpartum health and wellness. Um, yes. I did a lot of research and education when I was pregnant, and it's really just something I'm very passionate about. I... I don't think that in conventional medicine that enough is shared um, with women, which is really sad because I think that it's not just kind of, yeah, eat what you want. I mean, I think there's, you know, a point, especially in the first trimester when you have to literally survive with the nausea and everything, but it's so important to understand, you know, 
the ins and outs of nutrition and what baby and you need most to have a healthy pregnancy. Absolutely. Yeah. We're going to be touching on that and kind of like talking even more about that um, a little bit later on in the podcast. Um, So it's so awesome to hear that you are a pharmacist and now you're also a super natural holistic mama and you are looking into ways that you can help women, help women during pregnancy, help women during postpartum, because not only does the nutrition during the pregnancy impact the mom, but it also impacts the baby. Um, and a lot of people don't realize all of the nutrients that we need when we're growing a tiny human and all of the nutrients that they need um, and how we can make it work for both of us. And like you said, I remember thinking, I was like, in my first trimester, I'm going to do, I'm going to eat this, I'm going to eat that, I'm going to eat this and that. And then I remember being super nauseous. I had, I didn't just have like the morning nausea, morning sickness. I just had all day nausea. So it was like, there were certain days that I was just eating whatever I possibly could, whether it was like toast or like a bagel or whatever. There are some times that that's just what you have to do to get through it. And then obviously being more mindful of when you do feel well enough to eat certain things. Yeah. Yeah. I pre-pregnancy, my husband and I were doing keto and I really had to just be like, listen, if I need to have pretzels and peanut butter, then I need to have pretzels (laughs) and peanut butter. Like, that's what it's what got me through my long days at work pretty yeah. much like yeah peanut butter and that's my, what you have to do full. yeah I remember <laughs> I think for me some of the biggest things it was just like toast so like avocado toast or yes or like yes. toast with like peanut butter and bananas like just really like bland things that were a that a, like fueled me but also I didn't feel bad eating exactly yeah I got pretty creative I would have like peanut butter on the toast I put blueberries on it and then drizzle a little bit of honey I got pretty creative in my pregnancy (laughs) yeah I mean we do what we got to do right (laughs) um so one of the first things that you and I decided we wanted to chat about today was hormonal birth control and the effects that it can have on our bodies and so I would love to hear about your experience with that and then we can chat about um a little bit more after that Yeah, so for me, I was personally taking the pill for at least, you know, around 13 years. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I originally asked my OB about, hey, my husband and I are thinking of, you know, starting a family. Is there any specific time when I should stop taking the birth control? And she pretty much said, no, you can you can stop taking it and and you're good to go. Um, and from what I've come to kind of find out, I just, I don't know. I don't, it doesn't totally sit well with me. Yes. I know that some women can get pregnant right away, but, um, there's just a lot of things that can stem from hormonal birth control, especially after being on it for 13 years. Like Mm -hmm. that's, I mean, I'm going to be, I think I'm going to be 32. I stopped counting in May (laughs) this month. So like that's almost half of my lifetime um, being on this hormone that basically tells my body not to release an egg every Mm -hmm. month, every year for 13 years. So um, yeah, and it, it took me 10 months to get pregnant. And I kind of feel like it is possible that this had something to do with it just because of the length of time that I was on it. Right. 
Yeah. And that's something I that I would love to open up a conversation about is that when we are in our adolescent years, I remember for me, I was very similar to your story. I had really, really heavy periods. I had really, really heavy cramping and it was just very uncomfortable. And like the first thing that they recommend is just putting you on the pill, putting you on hormonal, hormonal birth control. And they don't yep. talk mm-hmm. to you about diet. They don't talk to you about lifestyle changes. They don't talk to you about alternative ways that you can help with these things. And mm-hmm. they're just like, oh, here's a pill. It's going to stop your period. And they don't talk about the potential side effects. They don't talk about, like you said, how long it can impact your body for. I went on it when I was 14 and mm-hmm. I didn't go off of it until I was 28. So same yeah. thing. It's exactly. yeah. same years thing. and years and years and years and years. And it's just, it's so wild that there's no discussion about it. What from doctors or even with parents, it's just, it's part of what, what our society is now. It's just like, okay, here's a pill. Here's a quick fix, you know? And mm-hmm. instead of listening to our bodies and tuning into our bodies and paying attention to different ways that we could help it, we just automatically put a bandaid over it. And then in the yeah. long run, like you said, it could potentially impact your fertility. And so for me, I don't know. I went off of my birth control um, like a while before we attempted to get pregnant. So I don't know, like if we, if I had gone off of it and then we started trying right away, I don't know how long it would have taken me because we waited a little bit, but it's always interesting because everyone has different stories. And then it also impacts you in like on a mental and emotional level too. Like, why am I not getting pregnant? And then also your husband or your partner, whoever's in the picture, they may also wonder why you're not getting pregnant and then there's that stress that comes up and then you're like is it me is it him you know and there's there's no discussion of that it's just so sad one of the things that i found is a lot of vitamins and minerals are actually depleted Mm -hmm. um, when you're on birth control and ironically they're all vitamins and minerals that are so vital for a healthy pregnancy. Mm-hmm. So your folate, your B12, vitamin C, E, you know, selenium, zinc, magnesium, just so many things. So if you have a mother who was on birth control and let's just say she got pregnant, you know, unexpectedly and she wasn't taking a prenatal or wasn't taking a multivitamin. I mean, just think of where she's starting. Right. Um, And then, you know, even if you do start taking a a multivitamin or prenatal, your body is just, your body's going to do what it has to do to provide for the baby. Right. So then that can cause issues for the mother. Absolutely. So. Another so thing. That, that's really something that struck me as like, wow, I had no idea that my body was probably deficient in all of these important things. I mean, luckily, I knew that we were going to start trying, so I had already been taking a prenatal, but, you know, not everyone has that um, choice. Right. And also, too, it's not it's not always a discussion to say, hey you should try taking this before you get pregnant. And I think one thing I'd like to mention as well is that we also have to look at the fertility of the male and mm-hmm. because a lot of the time it's just all put onto the woman. And yeah. that's not fair because you have to look at both people who are involved in creating this baby. 
And there are things that you need to pay attention to, which you and I said we were going to talk about a little bit later on, so we'll circle back to it. But we have to look at everything involving, like everything in their life. So all the different aspects of both people's health, what matters for them in in terms of like toxins, in terms of nutrition, in terms of lifestyle, in terms of everything. And so both of those things have to be taken into consideration, especially when you're talking about making a baby. Yeah, absolutely. My, my husband did get tested or, you know, whatever you call it. He had it, his little swimmers tested. He found out that he was fine. Yeah. <laughs> but we, I forget when we did that, but we did rule it out pretty early on just to make sure that like that was what was going on. There was one thing that you had mentioned that you had started doing before you became pregnant because you'd mentioned that it took you, I think you said 10 months, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so could you share a bit about some of the things that you, that you did to try and help your fertility? Yeah. So one thing, so we started trying in November and come April, I had been doing some research and I found that acupuncture could be something that could, you know, potentially help with fertility. So I was lucky enough to find this amazing acupuncturist in Ithaca. Um, And I mean, we truly believe that that did help um, our journey because so I, I saw him, started seeing him in May and we ended up getting pregnant like basically in August, but I found out in the beginning of September. So um, and it was awesome. interesting. I, I feel like I learned a lot about myself. Um, you know, Chinese medicine kind of looks at each individual's constitution. You know, some people run cold, some people run hot, or you can have dampness, or right. she could be out of whack. Like, mm-hmm. just so many things. So he found that i had a lot of stagnation okay in my in my blood flow and he believed that that was most likely due to being on birth control for so long oh so he Which, said that i mean yeah that's pretty much what he he thought was going on and birth control is known to cause blood clots so i mean it, it makes total sense so yeah he um he had me doing a lot of things to help build my blood. So eating red raspberries, eating red meat. Um, there's kind of a funny story with that. I actually ended up, I was eating so much red raspberries that I ended up planting a bush, <laughs> um, a raspberry bush in my backyard. And now it's so cool because that literally produced berries from like June until October last year. Wow. And every single day we would take Olivia out and eat all the berries that were on the bush. <laughs> so it's like, it's really just kind of a, a nice reminder of, you know, what I went through to kind of, you know, get pregnant and everything and and I get to enjoy it with her but it was a really cool experience I saw him you know throughout my pregnancy he kind of I think we took a break as I got closer um to the end but he was such a wealth of knowledge um and I really do believe that he he helped us get pregnant acupuncturists are incredible and Chinese medicine is something that more people really really need to 
learn more about. So I'm glad, I'm so glad that you shared that because I don't think that people necessarily believe that acupuncture works sometimes. Like there's kind of like a a stigma, like it's like a woo-woo, earthy, crunchy type thing. I think more and more people are becoming aware of the benefits of it, obviously. But Chinese medicine acupuncture are so helpful. I have a mom friend here in Boston who's an acupuncturist, actually two acupuncturists that I know, who help women with their fertility all the time. And it's mm-hmm. it's incredible. It's really incredible work. Yeah, I was blessed to have them in my life. But yeah, so I would highly recommend it to anyone, period, really. But if, yeah. if anyone has, you know not getting pregnant right away. And if you can find someone close to you, it, it was definitely worth it. Absolutely. So one of the other things that you and I wanted to talk about, I feel like we could talk forever. We had chatted recently on the phone and I felt like we could just keep talking all day. We wanted to talk about the medical interventions within the birth space and why it's important to take the time doing your research so you can educate yourself and advocate for yourself if you are going to have a hospital birth. So do you want to talk about and your personal experience with that when you're pregnant during your pregnancy or leading up to your own birth? Yeah. So one book, well, there are two books that were just complete staples during my pregnancy. But the one that really talked about the interventions was the Mama Natural Week by Week Guide. Yep, I have that one. Such a good one. Yep. Uh, it's amazing. Um, so that's where I learned a lot of that. I also took her um, birthing course. I did as well. too. <laughs> oh my. So like that course was the nail on the coffin where I was like, we're having a home birth. Like we're going to do it. So yeah, I, I was kind of reading through it again today just a little bit because it's been like over two years since I read it. But the one thing that just really got me is when they talked about pitocin. Mm-hmm. You give you give the mother pitocin to start, you know, the contractions because things are progressing. But then the you know her body may not respond the way it would naturally, and it can cause more intense and more painful contractions, which can then lead to more infant stress or you know fetal stress and then that can you know and then the pain in turn you know the mother wants to get the epidural because the contractions are so painful and then you get the epidural you you can't feel your legs and you can't move you're restricted to the bed and um and then if things aren't progressing the way the doctor wants them to then you know you're getting a c-section so i feel like that was really a huge point where i was like wow that's um that's a lot of cascades going down right there Um, yeah and you know i'm so glad that you just used that word because i remember thinking the same exact thing prior to becoming pregnant i was looking for resources to educate myself on a more holistic birth because I knew that I didn't want to have all of the medical interventions because I'm just far more holistic minded in general. And I had a really hard time initially finding information about the medical interventions and about the risks of them. And I also, like you said, I took the Mama Natural course and I also read the book. And 
they call it well there's actually one of the one of my favorite people that i follow on instagram um her name is emily and her instagram handle is mama wilder i'll include her stuff in the show notes um she remember i remember she was talking about the cascade of interventions she was talking about on her stories and it literally is like exactly what you talked about first they say they're going to induce you because you've gone past your due date or baby hasn't dropped or whatever and then they start to induce you and then your baby or your body's not ready so then they tell you that it's failure to progress so then you end up with an epidural because you think that might help relax you and then you end up with a c-section there are so many unnecessary c-sections that occur every single day and it's so disheartening to see and hear about because women there are so many women who talk about they want to have a natural birth they want they have this vision in their mind of what their birth is going to be and then they go and have give birth in a hospital and it's completely different and one of the things that i like to talk about with people in general is that the importance of making a birth plan is not so you know what's going to happen every single step of your birth because you can't plan birth But the whole point of it is so you can educate yourself on different things that may happen and what you want to to decide if you are having a hospital birth. And then also if you decide that you want to have a home birth, all of the different things that may happen. It's all about educating yourself so you know what's going to happen during birth potentially or what might not happen, you know. And based on that, I would love to hear a bit about your home birth because – I didn't have a home birth. I would have loved to have a home birth for my first with my daughter, but I plan to have a home birth in the future. (laughs) You will. You will. Um, Well, we actually don't have a birthing center, so um, it was kind of either hospital or home birth. If there was a birthing center, I'm pretty sure my husband would push for that more. But Yeah. um, yeah, so basically I was seeing a conventional midwife at an OB's office Um, and the thought of a home birth had crossed my mind but we live like 30-35 minutes away from two hospitals so we just assume like too far away not safe can't do it Um, but then I I started reading Mama Natural's book she talked about it more and I was like oh you know it'd be cool and actually her book is what inspired me to hire a doula. Oh yeah, I forgot you said you had a doula. So I hired a doula, we interviewed her and I knew she was the one. Um, And ironically, so my husband and I live in a very small town, you drive by it in a blink of an eye. And somehow um, she also lives in this very small town. We had (laughs) no idea um, when we like first found her. And she had had a home birth like a year prior. So she really um, inspired me and kind of gave me the assurance that like, yeah, you know, you, you can definitely do it. It's possible. Um, and she actually recommended the home birth midwife. And I just, I'm such a believer in things happen for a reason. It's, it's not even funny. Yeah. Um, so I can't remember exactly how far along I was. I think we started seeing um, our home birth midwife in January, and I was due like May third. Okay. So like maybe like halfway through, um, and it was great. 
Um, it was, I'm pretty sure I had two and a half pages worth of questions <laughs> when I interviewed the midwife because, you know, my husband and I did want to make sure just like with our pregnancy, you know, I did a lot of research, but we wanted to make sure that this was safe and that this was right for us and, you know, what what would be in line of something what happened like or something bad happened or you know like how how would she know what would she do and just i think again just kind of educating yourself and knowing the ins and outs of everything is just so important um so it ended up just being a beautiful relationship with the midwife she lived 20 minutes away from us she is completely natural minded as well she has her own homestead with her wow. know, gardens and her <laughs> cows and chickens and everything it's it was just a beautiful relationship um and yeah so the fun part is in new york when you're having a home birth you have to have the baby like by or you have to at least be going into labor by like the end of your end of day on your 42nd week wait what you, you can't go past 42 weeks pregnant in new york yeah when you're having a home birth oh okay i did not know that yeah I mean, that's how she explained it to us like i pretty much had until that day to start going into labor and I didn't go into labor with Olivia until week 41, day six. <laughs> so. Wait, so you were saying in the hospital it has to be that or when you have a home birth it has to be that? When you have a home birth. Okay. So, yeah, we we were pretty much doing everything we could to get her motivated from like week 40 to almost week 42. Going for walks every day. I think I started, oh, I was doing the, the Lara bars for some time, the red raspberry leaf tea, just so pineapple, you know, having sex every other day, just doing it all <laughs> doing to try all to get things. her to come. <laughs> but it wasn't until week 41, day six, we went to her office and she was going to do a membrane sweep, which neither of us really wanted to do, decided not to do it. And she actually has this drink concoction that she's had her patients use before mm -hmm. with success. It has a ton of things in it, but it also has castor oil in it. Oh, okay. So did you take that? I did. Drank that. I started drinking it at one, finished by like three. And I was pretty much in active labor by like 6.30. Wow. <laughs> that night. Like I completely skipped over the initial stages of labor. Like my contractions were like a minute long, just two minutes apart, like right away. That's right so out of wild. the get-go. And I, I was doing good. I was on my little yoga ball, kind of leaning over the bed and Joel called the midwife over and and then eventually the doula, and I had back labor the entire time. It was pretty awful. It was pretty bad. Yeah, so I had, they gave me a, a TENS unit, which was helpful. It at least kind of distracted me. Can you explain enough. that for a second, just in case listeners don't know what that is? Basically, you put these patches on your back, and then I had a little remote control, and I could control the intensity, and then I could turn it off. And it, it sends electromagnetic pulses 
So I hope I explained this correctly. It basically sends or like a signal to your brain to distract it from the pain that you're actually experiencing. Yeah. So it kind of felt like numbing almost. Like if you ever get zapped, like if you've ever been zapped by like a, an outlet or something like that, it's kind of a similar feeling but ongoing i'll include that in the show notes just because some people don't know about all the potential different comfort measures that you can use for if you're planning to have a natural birth so i'm glad that you brought that up yeah so that was that was the main thing that i used really my midwife also brought essential oils which i know you and i have a love for our essential oils um so she diffused some. I think she put some on my legs. I know at one point her and my midwife were both massaging my legs because I could not feel my legs. They were completely numb from from the back. Think labor? The, yeah. So okay. we think that um, Olivia had her hand on her face okay. and was pressing on my nerve. So another thing that we did that was helpful is we had a stand-up shower and it had two shower heads. So we have like the one big shower head and then a detachable shower head. So my husband could, you know, direct that on my back. Okay. So that was also just the warmth of that was super, super helpful. I did try a bath. We were gonna potentially try to do a water birth, but it did not feel good to me. I have a, a really, and I learned this actually during acupuncture because he would do moxa on me. Oh yeah, okay. And that's like basically when you're burning, you're burning ash almost over your skin and he would be able to hold that over my skin before I would have to tell him to stop for like a long time. Yeah. So the, the water in the bathtub was just not a temperature that really did anything for me. So we didn't really do that. Um all the different things that you do in, during your labor that were helping you. Yeah, so yeah, the shower was a big one. And so this is another nice thing about home birth is we were in the shower for so long and I would have to get up and down and up and down when the contractions would come that I actually was just completely exhausted, so tired. And I remember just asking my midwife like can I take a nap (laughs) and she was like yeah of course you could take a nap so you know Joel and I ended up taking a nap I think from like four to six in the morning um and I felt so much better afterwards yeah which I don't know I feel like in the hospital they wouldn't let you really do that I mean I think it all depends because based on like my my experience as a doula, I've seen, I've seen that I've seen them allowing people to rest, but it's generally after they receive some sort of medical intervention. So I don't think that, yeah. And it's also too, it also depends on if you're hooked up to things, if you're hooked up to an IV, if you're hooked up to, um, the fetal monitoring the entire time and the beeping and all of that. So it's very different environment, home birth versus hospital birth. Yeah, so that was amazing being able to nap. Um, And then, so we woke up, my labor picked back up and she actually tried to maneuver Olivia so her hand wasn't 
pressing on me anymore. Okay. And my um, my water ended up breaking. So then things progressed faster after that. I think that was probably maybe like at 11 in the morning or something. Okay. So at this point, I mean, I really was in labor starting at 6 p.m. So this is like 11 in the morning the next day. Um, and that didn't really seem to help. I don't know if Olivia just went back to where she was, but I was still um, really, really feeling the back labor and just kind of switching. I, I honestly laid in bed on my side a lot and I used the, the yoga ball a lot. Oh, good. Like um, a side lying position. Yeah, it was kind of hard to do much else because my legs were just, I couldn't really feel them. Okay. So to like be on all fours or doing any squats, just, you know, like things that I thought I would want to do, I just, I couldn't yeah. do it. So yeah, I was definitely getting tired at one point for sure. And I think two things about that definitely know your why you need to know you know even if you're having hospital birth if you want a natural birth you know why do you want that what are your reasons um what's driving you what's motivating you so a big thing for me was like i did i didn't want to go to a hospital because i knew that immediately stepping in to that type of environment my body would just shut down like yeah. i knew that that, that was going to happen um so that that really helped get me through those tough times. It was like, this is what I want. I can do it, you know. And then my doula also, I think she could tell I was getting tired. And she got one of the little, like, newborn baby caps. And she had me hold on to it. Aww. And just, you know, kind of told me the same thing. Like, remember why you're doing this. And just think about her and everything. So that helped as well. Um, so I think... My midwife was going to try to like maneuver her again. And then she actually found that I was ready to start pushing because her head was like crowning. So <laughs> she was there. <laughs> <laughs> she was there. She was ready to come. So yeah, I was so happy when she heard that was like the best news I had gotten all day long. It was such a relief to just start, I don't know doing something other than just lying there and kind of going through the contractions, which breathing, I was so thankful for all of my years doing yoga because that really, really, really helped me as well. Birth in general, people don't realize that it's so, like when you're in labor, is so much about your mindset. It's so much about being in your own, like listening to yourself, tuning in with yourself, breathing and focusing on that. And also, like you said, knowing your why, knowing why you're doing this, knowing that your baby is coming, knowing that these contractions are not just happening. They're not just painful. They're happening for a reason. They're helping bring your baby down, helping bring your baby into the world. It's absolutely so so much mental and emotional yes with the mom and natural birth course you got the affirmation cards which i hung my favorite ones like around my room and one of them like you were just saying one of them that just really hit home with me is like each contraction is bringing your baby closer to you like yeah. you know it's doing it's there for a reason it's happening for a reason like think of it as a wave and it's just each wave is just bringing your baby closer to you and 
closer to being earth side with you so that that was really a good one yeah um, that i held on to for sure so yeah i pushed for two hours really nothing too crazy with that my my contractions kind of slowed up because that's when she would have me push is each time a contraction would come okay so we would almost have like four or five minutes where we were all just kind of hanging out waiting for the next contraction to come <laughs> so I think that's why I was pushing for two hours but um but it wasn't it wasn't bad really I mean honestly the I think the worst part was just the back labor, which not everybody has that. Right. I think one thing that helped me, and I don't know if it was like a yoga mindset, but I think I remember one of my yoga teachers or instructors saying, you can do anything for one minute in regards to, and then I thought about that in terms of going through a contraction and breathing through a contraction, you know what I mean? And so So, you pushed for two hours, around two hours. Yeah, I ended up being in labor for about 20 and then pushing for two. And yeah, 321, I, I was able to, to pull her up, but she had a short umbilical cord, so I could actually only pull her up to my stomach. Oh my God, that's so funny. I had the same exact thing happen with my daughter. Did you? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so, so that actually ended up being kind of interesting because, you know, in, in all of my research, you know, all you read about is, you know, bring, bring the baby to your breast so that's kind of like when they gave her to me that's what I went to do mm-hmm. and I think the cord got tugged a little bit so she actually ended up needing a lot of fascia work after she was born because she was really like kind of tight like her okay. muscles were tight yeah and, and the midwife helped with that so just add it to the thousand list of reasons why it was just so nice to to have my own personal midwife and all of her attention, you know, was for us. So Yeah. And I think too, I'm glad that you mentioned the impact that birth has on babies because I don't think people always remember that not only is it like a huge impact mentally, physically, emotionally for the mom, but it's the same thing for the baby. Like they are coming through your birth canal. They are coming into a brand new world where they're so used to being inside of you, listening to your heartbeat, being nourished 24 seven. And so there are a lot of things that come into play when your baby is born. In terms of like you said, like if, if baby is super, super tight, you can always bring baby to the chiropractor and be, do some sort of infant massage. So I'm glad that you mentioned that too. Yeah, it, and no issues now at all. It was something that we did pretty regularly. We did some baby massages and stretches at home. She sees, we all see the chiropractor once a month now. And then, I mean, just to go back, another few cool things is we were able to have our delayed cord clamping oh yes i was going to ask about that thank you for mentioning it it's just so important um i don't even know i mean i think it was well over five minutes i don't even remember when it was done but it was definitely you know within the range where she could get the benefits of the added iron and the maternal antibodies and all the good things that come with that so that was really important to us we had already known we were doing the home birth, but we still went to visit the two hospitals mm-hmm. to decide which one 
we would go to if we needed to. Okay, gotcha. And I think one of them, like their policy was one minute and <laughs> the other one was maybe 90 seconds, like upon request that, you know, things like that were also driving forces for us to make our decision. And we didn't do the antibiotic eye ointments because they started doing that for when women have chlamydia, mm -hmm. I think, to prevent eye infections. So yes. that wasn't a concern for us. Yeah, there are many things that are standard hospital protocol that when it comes to birth that are not evidence-based. <laughs> And yeah. it's incredibly frustrating because this, again, this is what we're talking about, the importance of doing your own research and educating yourself on these things. Because most people just think, oh, yep, that's just part of hospital protocol. They must be doing it for a reason. But the majority of the, these things that are they're doing, including medical interventions, they all have risks that come along with them. And if you're going to be doing something, there should be a reason for it. And that should be discussed ahead of time. Yeah. So, you know, having her have that and then their vision is already so poor at that time anyways to just add to the blurriness and, and everything it just wasn't necessary and right and then there's the vitamin k shot which we did decide to do because my midwife had actually a very scary you know like incidents with a baby not getting it and then they actually ended up having some i think hemorrhaging issues so we did decide to do that but we didn't do the happy because mm -hmm. there aren't any needle users in our household so that also wasn't something that we found to be necessary at this time right in her life and you know she came back later on maybe i can't remember exactly the timeline but sometime during the week to do like her hearing test and her foot prick and all those things they weren't done immediately after she was born yeah so i love hearing that too because i think one of the other things that people don't realize is the importance of that time the initial bonding with your baby right after you have your baby there's no mm -hmm. reason unless there literally is a medical emergency where your baby needs attention there's no reason to go do a hearing test. There's no reason to have to weigh them right away. There's no reason to wash the, all of the vernix off of them. You need that time to bond with your baby, have skin to skin, let them get to know you, you get to know them, let them hang out with your husband or your partner. It's so important. It's, this is These are the first few hours of their lives. They don't have to have all of those things done, you know? Yeah, I think it's, it's important for the baby and for the mother too, you know, that release of oxytocin, I yes. just think it, it really solidifies and, you know, helps blossom that bond and that connection. So we got to have our, our golden hour. It was amazing. She latched by 5 p.m. I remember that. I was so relieved that we were able to do that. Yeah. Um, but I'm glad that you mentioned the, the vernix. So that was another huge thing that could have been potentially an issue had we had a birth in the hospital. Mm -hmm. um, so she was born on the 16th. She didn't have her first bath until my birthday, which is the 27th so yeah when she went like 11 days in her natural oh, you know amazing yeah people don't realize the importance of vernix like there's this stigma that it's just like dirty and you have to clean your baby off but it serves a purpose i mean that's another thing that i could include in the show notes is just what 
purpose it serves. And it's wild to me, all of these protocols and things that just get in the way of just the natural part of giving birth. And the first however many hours, days, weeks of a mom's life as a new mom and the the newborn's life, it's so... It's incredible. It's really incredible. And so I'm glad that you're touching on all of these things and reminding people that you don't have to wash your baby right away. Yeah, you know, these things are in place for a reason. So I think cleaning them is really more for aesthetic. And then, so another thing I'd love to touch upon is the benefits of having a vaginal birth. Yeah, sure. Like if you're able to, I mean, I, I understand c-sections can totally absolutely be necessary and life-saving for mom and baby Mm -hmm. but having the baby go through the vaginal canal literally sets up their microbiome for life it's like it gives me chills just thinking about it like just thinking about you know babies who maybe didn't get that because of a unnecessary C-section. And luckily I'm happy that to hear that they are starting to implement a swabbing mm-hmm. of the vaginal canal and swabbing the baby's mouth, you know, but that I remember asking the hospital about that and they looked at me like I was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so important. Yeah. And that, I love that you brought that up because it's so true. People, people don't realize because it's it's not discussed. Like you said, in a lot of hospital settings with care providers, there isn't really conversation about a baby's microbiome and what helps the baby thrive and the importance of, if possible, having a natural birth for mom and for baby. And like you said, there are absolutely circumstances where a C-section is necessary. If there is preeclampsia, if the if it's super high risk, if something goes wrong with mom or something goes wrong with baby, there are absolutely times that it's necessary. But like we talked about earlier, the cascade of interventions that leads to unnecessary C-sections and that impacts mom and baby negatively. And even the swabbing is just, I'm glad that it is an option because it is important and it should happen for families who do need to have C-sections with their babies. But if possible, like you said, to have a vaginal birth, it is so beneficial to your baby. And it, like you said, it impacts them for the rest of their lives. And this needs to be something that people are talking talking about. And it should honestly be a discussion with every, with every single person in hospitals. Care providers should know this. They should have the research for it. They should provide that to their patients. It should absolutely be a part of the discussion. I think it's gaining some traction. And even, I think I read, it was in an article the other day that I saw, like, the passing of your bowels is actually, there's a purpose for that. Like, the mother's microbiome actually changes when you're pregnant. Yeah. And so to have, you know, potentially some contact with as gross as it is, some fecal matter, like there's a reason for that. You know, the baby's coming down and it's just, you know, naturally going to kind of expel some of that. It's just a natural thing, but it has it has its benefits. I know. Um, it's it's so funny to me because like not funny, but you're talking about you're like it may sound gross there's this stigma that like birth is dirty and gross and not for everybody obviously but there are a lot of people that shy away from talking about all the details of birth and what comes along with it and 
this is literally something that we have been doing for hundreds of thousands of years. And also, too, I find it fascinating if you ever watch birth videos of like animals giving birth and what they do in nature. It's just, it's so cool. And one thing I did want to mention is the importance of having a hands-off approach when it comes to birth. I don't think that people realize that if you have a hands-off approach, I mean, obviously have the support that you need if you want them, want people there and want people doing certain things. Absolutely. But if you look at like videos of like when they have animals at zoos who are having babies, they are so hands-off. Or if even animals in the wild and people are just taking videos and giving birth, no one is near them. No one is bothering them. They're not hooked up to monitors. They're not having people put their fingers inside of them. There's nothing like that that's happening. It's just them having their babies and that's, that's it. And I would love for that sort of mindset to be adopted into our society. Yeah. Well, um, they actually left Joel and I alone for a lot of it because our moms were the only ones that um, came to our house. And all they did was literally pop their, they're very, you know, respectful and not like they don't they're not the type to barge in and be like, hi, oh my gosh, what are you doing? How are you feeling? What's going on? (laughs) They just came in and were like, hi, we're here. And even just them coming and saying, hi, my labor slowed down. Oh, did it really? Just just from that, like just from them saying hi. So um, the the doula and the midwife actually left us kind of to our own devices for, for most of it. Yeah. And I think a lot of that just plays to you know I had a very good mind body connection with myself you know Joel listened to the birth classes with me so any mamas listening to this try to have your husband you know go to the classes with you listen to the classes I think it empowers them Mm -hmm. to feel like they know what's going on um so we I think we just both felt confident in in what was happening. So yeah, like you said, the hands-off approach, I 100% totally agree with that. And even during the pregnancy, um, she never checked me to see if I was dilated, to see if I was effaced. Never once. I I never knew. Because I think that that can get in some people's heads, you know, like, I'm 38 weeks pregnant, and I'm two centimeters dilated. Like, you know, that you could still go on for weeks, right. you know, so I never, never had that information. And I, I think it was a blessing because I didn't have to obsess over it. Mm-hmm. You know, like, is it going to be three centimeters tomorrow? Or what is it going to be today? Right. Beyond blessed and lucky to have our midwife. I hope that she's still doing it <laughs> when we have our second one. Yeah. <laughs> I think like what you said too, a lot of the time when people are unsure of things or they're afraid of things, it's because they don't know enough about it. And so like you said, have your husband or your partner watch these these videos with you or attend the course with you or go over things with you or go over things with your midwife or care provider. Have them learn about all of these things so they know what could potentially happen during birth and they know about the different stages of labor because it helps everybody understand and it helps everybody feel better about it. Right, yeah. 
okay, so this is what's happening right now. <laughs> right, exactly. So we are coming to the end of the podcast episode. So I just wanted to see if you had any final words that you'd like to leave listeners with today. I do. So I think definitely the biggest takeaway from this is take the time to educate yourself so you can feel empowered to advocate for yourself. I think that that's so important. And, you know, all I really did was I read a book and I took an online birthing course was for any mother. It just completely educated you on everything that could happen during, whether you are going in knowing that you want an epidural or you are going in knowing that you don't want anything. Mm -hmm. I highly recommend the Mama Natural course for sure. We never touched upon it really because I feel like, like you said, we could talk forever. (laughs) Um, Definitely have to give a shout out to my favorite book, Real Food for Pregnancy. Oh yeah, such a good one. By Lily Nichols. I got zero nutrition advice from the midwife when I was going to the OB office. Basically all she told me was I could microwave deli meat if I wanted to eat that. (laughs) So um, this book was amazing. So yeah, just, you know, educate yourself, educate your, your partner. And if you have a doula in your area, hire her because it's totally worth it. It's worth every penny. They're your cheerleader. They're there to help, you know, advocate you and keep you on the path that that you want. Um, So a hundred percent recommend that. I love that so much. So, so true. And that book is awesome. We'll include that in the show notes as well. And Oh, also you made me think of one thing. The mama natural course also has a bit within the videos where the dads are chatting, which I found was really, really cool to hear the perspective from the dads about pregnancy and labor and birth. So I really loved that for anyone who has not taken a course or who's looking for the course, really loved that. And they made it fun. It wasn't dry or boring. They, They made it really fun. Absolutely. So would you mind sharing where everybody can find you? Um, I'll also include it in the show notes, but just for anyone who's listening. Yeah, so you can find me right now on Instagram or Facebook at uh, the underscore wellness underscore pharmacist. And if you're thinking of becoming pregnant, you're currently pregnant or on your postpartum journey, I would love to connect with you and discover how I could best support you. I'm so passionate about the book that I just mentioned, Real Food for Pregnancy, that anyone who signs up for my coaching program gets it for free because I really think that it needs to be in the hands of every mother, every OB office, every midwife. I just really think it's a beautiful resource, even if you're pregnant or not, just because even just the non-toxic living options that she talks about, which we'll have to touch upon in a whole nother episode. (laughs) We will. (laughs) Well, thank you so, so much for joining us tonight, for sharing your story and your knowledge with us. It's so, so appreciated. And I know that so many listeners are going to benefit from it. Well, thank you for having me. I had a lot of fun. Awesome. Well, we will have to have you back because like you said, we could continue to chat for hours. So we will plan another episode, but thank you so, so much listeners for joining us tonight and we will be back next week. Bye-bye.